At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to look deeper into 1 Peter, tuning into our current series, Unshakable, Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. Join us as we allow God's Word to shape us and renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the Gospel. All right, this morning, if you've got a Bible, I want to encourage you to take it out and turn with me to 1 Peter. Turn with me to 1 Peter. We've been in 1 Peter for a few weeks, and we're going to continue there today. We'll be um, in chapter 2 of 1 Peter. So go ahead and take your Bible out and turn there. Or if you have an electronic device, go ahead and take that out as well. You know, uh, we've all known that in the past several months, in the past several weeks, we've been walking through some difficult and some challenging days. And, you know, this pandemic that we've uh, been walking through has been truly challenging. I, I, I know many of you, I've heard many of your stories and uh, your life has been flipped upside down and, and rhythms that were uh, pretty consistent have all been changed. And, uh, you know, we still don't know. We know the immediate effects of the pandemic that it had on our lives, but in some ways we still don't know what's going to happen in the long term. And as this has been a truly challenging season, I know many have gotten sick, and I know some have even struggled and battled for their life, while others have seen the uh, immediate uh, impact on the economy. We've seen that unemployment overnight almost went from 3.8% to uh, 20 or 14.4%, which means that almost overnight, 20.5 million people lost their jobs. And we have no idea what the long-term effects of that are going to be. How is that going to impact the economy? How is this going to impact uh, the housing market? How is that going to impact foreclosures? And how is it going to impact or maybe even increase the homeless? We have no idea what uh, the job, uh, losing jobs has on the mental impact as well. Some statistics say that whenever the employment rate increases by 1%, the suicide uh, rate increases by 0.99%. We also know that uh, what we've been able to see so far is that suicides, even among men, have continued to grow. Also, we've, we saw in an instant how isolation and social distancing from family and friends had an immediate impact on many of us. We had to miss out on birthday parties. We had to miss out on graduations. We had to miss out on seeing friends and being able to visit our, our family members in the hospital. That was the immediate, but we have no idea the long-term impact this is going to have as people have struggled to have uh, personal interactions, if people have, have, have struggled to have those personal connections. Having this lack of interaction with people caused some to go to dark places. We're still trying to figure all this out, but some statistics have said that inside the United States in the past several months, suicides in the United States has increased somewhere from 600 to 1,450 additional people per month are taking their own lives. Depression, anxiety, and fear are all on the rise. We live in desperate times. All you have to do is look around and you see people everywhere are grasping for something to hold on to that will anchor their lives and give them hope. Our world so desperately needs hope. And I want you to know and I want you to understand the world has nothing to offer in this area. There's nothing in the world that will provide the hope, provide the groundingness as you walk through difficult days. 
But today I want to assure you, though, even though it looks bleak, there is hope. Today, as we continue our series, we're, we're looking at a, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote Christians that were scattered in a, a Roman, Roman region. Many of them were going through the most difficult times of their lives. They were in a culture that was con continually increasing in hostility. And Peter writes them this letter as a way of encouraging them. He says, it is possible for you to live an unshakable life in the midst of a shakable world where everything is seeking to destroy you and devour you, there is hope. And constantly over and over and over again, in this letter, Peter turns his attention to Jesus. He says, continually look to Jesus. Jesus is the source. Jesus is the place. Hope can only be found in him. He is the answer to all the brokenness we experience in this life. And we're going to expound on that a little bit more today as we're going to take a look at how Peter continues to talk about Jesus being our source of hope. But today he's also going to remind us, for those of us that have already placed faith in Jesus, that we're called to be a part of the church, that we're called to minister together to carry out God's mission. That as followers of Jesus, we're called to engage our own broken world with the message of Jesus. So today, what I want us to see is that we are called to build our lives on the cornerstone of Christ. This is the beautiful calling, the, the invitation that goes out to all people that is to say, build your life on the cornerstone of Christ. I love this imagery. That, that Peter's going to use throughout the passage today. He's going to talk about Jesus being the cornerstone, the foundation mark. Now, I'm not much of a builder, um, but I do remember and love uh, driving through Pennsylvania where they have a lot of, of, of cobblestone walls where they, they take these, these stones that are of various shapes and sizes and they, they lay them out and then they put some mortar in between them and they can make beautiful, beautiful structures with them. And what we see, the, the imagery that we're going to see here is that Peter is saying that Jesus is the cornerstone of our life. He's the, the very foundation from which everything else grows. If Jesus is the foundation, then you can be sure that you have an unshakable hope. So let's look at verse 4 as, as Peter is going to begin to, to flesh this out for us. Let's take a moment to consider Christ. Last week in verse 3, we left off with the invitation that God gives us to taste and see that the Lord is good. There's an open invitation that goes out to all people that says, taste of the Lord. Taste to see his forgiveness and his mercy and his grace. And this week we see again another invitation. As Peter says, as you come to him. As you come to him. Who is him? Jesus. As you come to Jesus. So this is actually an Old Testament phrase that is a call of the people of God to gather together or draw near to God in order to speak to God or in order to worship God or offer sacrifices to God. And we know that in the Old Testament, the temple was the place. The, the temple was the visible place where the people of God met with God. The temple was in Jerusalem and it was central to how the people of God carried out their relationship with God. And what Peter's doing here in this passage is he's shifting the imagery from coming to the temple to coming to a person. You see, this is how Peter describes Jesus. 
Jesus as a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. What Peter's doing is he's borrowing from the temple worship this idea that calls Jesus a living stone. In other words, Jesus is the temple. Jesus is the ultimate demonstration of the presence of God. He is the divinely ordained interception between the need of the world and the majesty of God. Jesus is the place that man and God meet. But notice the tragedy. This living stone was rejected by men even though he was chosen and precious to God. We hear the words uh, that John writes in John chapter 1 verse 11. It says, he, referring to Jesus, came to his own and to his own people they did not receive him. You see, Jesus was rejected by the very people he came to save. You see, the Jews were not looking for a suffering savior. They were looking for a worldly conquering king that would come and overthrow the Roman oppression. They weren't looking for a lowly servant. And when they considered Jesus, they rejected him as having no value. So they rejected Jesus. And the son of God was crucified by the very people that he came to save. Yet God raised him from the dead so that God and man could be reconciled. Jesus became the place where the sin of man and the holiness of God can meet. One of my favorite Christian rappers, Andy Mino, in one of his songs, he says this about the story of Jesus. He says, the story of Jesus is where the hero dies for the villain. Think about that. That's not the way the stories go in the world today. When you identify the villain, the villain becomes the problem and the the goal is to defeat the villain. What we see here is the hero comes in to this world that is full of sin, this world that's full of rebellion, and the hero gives his life up so that he could save the villain. So it's not just that we come to Jesus. We come to a crucified, risen, and alive Jesus. We come to a person that makes it possible to be forgiven of our sins because he has personally absorbed the wrath and the punishment of God that was due us. And this is what changes everything. And if you've come to him today, if you've come to Jesus and you have surrendered your life unto Jesus, then what I want you to get from the passage today is now how do you live? as a result of being found in Christ, as a result of beginning to build your life upon the foundation of Christ, how now should you live? Second of all, I want you, those that are here that have not yet come to place your faith in the work of Jesus Christ, I want you to be aware that you are met with a choice today, that you have to receive Jesus and believe Jesus as your Savior and Lord, or you'll have to go the way that the Jews did in rejecting him saying that he's not who he says he is and will not do the things that he claims to do. Either Jesus is Lord or he's not. Those are our choices today. And I want us to consider them. And I encourage you to think about him deeply. So what Peter's gonna do now, he's gonna go on and he's gonna show us how as followers of Jesus, we are to live. And he gives us two, two truths today. The first truth that we're going to see beginning in verse 5 is that we need to recognize your place in the house of God. Look at verse 5. He says, You yourselves, living stones, are being built upon a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, 
to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So what we see here is not only is Christ a living stone, but all of us that come to place faith in Christ, we too are living stones. And as living stones, what God is doing is he's building up the spiritual house, the spiritual temple, so that everyone who comes to Christ is a part of this spiritual building. And we each have a place in the house of God. And so what God is doing is Christ is the cornerstone. He's the foundation. And so everyone that comes to believe, God is taking them and he's placing them on top of Christ. And he's building this beautiful spiritual temple so that the world will see the goodness and majesty of God. the, the, The droves and droves of people that have experienced his love and his forgiveness through their faith in him. Just imagine for a moment. I wish we could just see. You know how sometimes there's those pictures, those mosaics, where you, you pull back and you see like the picture of something that, that's a kind of a beautiful thing, but then if you go in, you see the individual face of someone or a specific thing. You guys know what I'm talking about? I wish we could just for a moment, like pull back and see history. For just a moment, just to see all of those stones, those living stones that have already been placed on the foundation of Jesus. It would be a massive thing to behold. And I'm so thankful because of my faith in Christ and hopefully your faith in Christ too, that someday you will stand with the multitudes in heaven praising Jesus with one voice. And at that moment, we will be able to see and we will know the majesty and the goodness of God and the amount of which, the amount of which he saved the world from their sins. Like sometimes we forget sometimes we get caught up in our day-to-day activity and we forget what God has called us to do God has not just called you to to come and, and live a life where you exist for 60 70 80 years and then you die that's not what God's called you to do you are a living stone a part of of God's greatest thing that he's ever been doing even greater than creation itself God is making a spiritual temple that we can be a part of but get this not only are we a part of the spiritual house that we're called to be holy, we're also called to be priests. Priests in the Old, Test- Old Testament days carried out the ministry of the temple. So not only are we a part of God's building, we're part of his, his car- mission-carrying people. We are to take the message of Jesus to the lost. And I love how Peter uh, adds in and continually brings in Old Testament proof passages. And this is what he does again in, in verse 6. He gives us this a beautiful picture and a reminder that goes back to Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, to, to prove that what God is doing is not just a new idea. That God has been about doing this from a long, 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 long time ago. Look at me in verse 6. He says, For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying a Zion, in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, that whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for those who believe. So what Peter is saying here is that this has been God's plan all along, to lay down a, a new, chosen, precious cornerstone in Zion that up, upon which this beautiful majesty will be built. And this brand new covenant with God's people. And I love what he says here too in verse 7. He says, so for the honor is for those who believe. 
You back in the day, the only the the uh, those that were uh, a part of the tribe of Levi could be a, a, t- a working in the temple, could serve as a priest. And now what Peter's saying is that it's for all people. It's not just for pastors. We don't, pastors aren't the only ones that are responsible for sharing the love of Jesus with the lost and dying world. Missionaries aren't the only ones that are responsible. But we all have equal value as children of God. We all have equal worth and we all have an equal mission. It's not just my responsibility to go and to share the love of Jesus with my lost friends and family. It's our opportunity to serve as priests, as representatives of our Lord. You see, as the world sees the church, as the world sees Christians, they should see Jesus. If the church is not pointing people to Jesus, and if your life's not pointing people to Jesus, then there's no way they're going to find Jesus. It's a massive opportunity and a massive opportunity, uh, a responsibility. So as priests, the question should be, well, then what is our role? What is our purpose? Well, Peter tells us. He says our role, our purpose is to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He's even given us a, a new way to think about sacrifices. Remember in the Old Testament, it was the priests. Those were the ones that offered the sacrifices. They went before God on the account, or, uh, on the account of the people. And they would offer the sacrifices, the, the guilt offering and the, the um, other offerings. And what Peter is now saying is, is we don't make those same kind of offerings. We make spiritual sacrifices through offering to God our spirit-empowered lives. Something amazing happens at the moment of salvation. At the moment of salvation, the power and presence of God comes into our lives. It's called the Holy Spirit. And so we have the full power and the full presence of God living in our lives. And what the power and the presence of God in our lives moves us to do is to sacrifice. To give up more and more of our old selves and give more space for the Spirit to grow and move inside of us. That's why he says that we are to offer these sacrifices through Jesus Christ. What he's using here is he's talking about the same power of of Jesus moves into our lives in the form of the Holy Spirit. And that's the one that empowers us to do. So what does this look like? Well, we offer everything of ourselves unto him. Every part of our lives matters to God. We hold nothing back from God. We offer him everything as a way of a spiritual sacrifice. We offer ourselves. We offer ourselves to be involved in worshiping him. We offer ourselves up to be used by him to fulfill the mission of God in the world. We do that by offering of our time. We offer of our talents. We offer of our resources. We offer of our relationships. We offer of our minds. We offer our bodies. We offer all of that we are belongs to him. And we just say, Lord, use me however, and then he moves us. You see, you and I are called to be disciples. That means followers of Jesus. But we're also called to make disciples. We're called to share the love of Jesus, not only indeed by doing nice things and doing acts of love and acts of charity, but we are called to love and to share Jesus in word. That means we are to spend time investing in relationships. We're called to invest time in relationships with people that are outside of the family of God. You should have lost friends. You should have people in your life. Maybe they're family members, maybe they're coworkers, maybe they're neighbors. You should know people in your world that don't know Jesus yet. 
And you need to be reminded that God has placed them in their life because you're called to be a priest. If you don't do what God has called you to do, that person may never know that there is hope found in Jesus. That person that is your neighbor, that loved one, that coworker, that person that you see on the street, that person is walking through the same challenges that you're going through right now too. That person is afraid of the future. That person doesn't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. That person may, be, may have just lost their job. That person may be going through health challenges. That person is desperately looking for an answer. And God has placed you in, them, in their lives to share with them the love of Jesus. We share the love of Jesus by communicating the gospel, which is what everyone desperately needs. When life hurts, when we lose our job, when we hear of people going through depression, what we should do is draw close to them and ask them to consider Jesus. As they're walking through the challenging days of their lives, you to their lives is because you have a relationship with you and you're like, I know you're hurting. I know it's difficult. I know you're looking for hope, but have you considered Jesus? Have you considered him as an opportunity or, or, or the place to, to begin the foundation of your life upon? That's what we're called to do. See, the challenges that many of us are faced is we're challenged with fully surrendering ourselves. And that keeps us from the mission of God. We, we want to hold on to Jesus for our own salvation, but we're not willing to sacrifice ourselves and our comforts for the sake of others. That's selfish. I see so many Christians living selfish lives. I'm guilty of living a selfish life because there are sometimes I don't want to live on mission with God, but I know that I'm called to live on mission with God and I gave up those rights the moment that I came to know Jesus. And God calls us to move into the lives of others, understanding our role in the greater scheme of life. The second uh, truth that we see is that Peter reminds us, don't stumble over the word of God. Be very careful not to stumble over the word of God. Look with me in uh, verse seven. He says, so the honor is for those who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. So what Peter does here, again, he's going back to the Old Testament and he quotes both from Psalm 118.22 and Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14. He quotes these two passages to talk about the same stone who is the cornerstone of God's new covenant is the same stone that causes some to stumble for those that don't believe. Though by God's grace, so many people have come to believe in Jesus, they find their salvation in him, there are still many that will come to Jesus and reject him. There will be many that will come to Jesus and they will stumble over him because they are offended by him. You see, each one of us has to come to a place of, of, of how we consider Jesus. We have to decide how we're gonna, what we're going to build our lives upon. We're, we're given this choice. And for many, they look at Jesus as they are considering building their lives. What is, where am I going to find my hope? Where am I going to find my strength? Where am I going to find the way to persevere through this difficult life? 
And we're given a choice. Either we can begin building our foundation on Jesus or we can build our foundation on something else. And here's the thing. I, I love how Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, for those, for many that consider Christ, he says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. There, there are two ways to, to view Jesus. Either Jesus is, is your life, Jesus is the power of God, or Jesus is worthless. Those are the only two choices. And we live in a world where they say, live for glory and riches. Live for today. Live your best life now. Go, without, with all, go with all the gusto. Do with everything that you can to fill your life with your own passions and your own happiness and the things of this world. Use it up. And I would say, that's the exact wrong way to live. See, when some, they consider Christ. They see no value in him. They get offended by him. When Jesus insists that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is the only way to the Father, he is the only way to salvation, that he is the only way to be at peace, he is the only way, the only one that will bring hope in your life. Some people hear that and they say, that just sounds so exclusive. I, that, that just sounds like, like I gotta just just Jesus? That's the only way? That's too exclusive. Others see that Jesus says that in order to enter into the kingdom of God, you must be born again. That's what he says in John chapter 3, verse 3. You, you must undergo a spiritual transformation from the inside out. Some people say that and they're like, man, that sounds so drastic. Like, I, I don't want to do that. Many are offended when Jesus commands that they repent when he commands that we take up our cross and follow him, deny ourselves and follow him daily. Many are put off by the idea that we're lost. Many people think, hey, I'm okay. I, I don't need a savior. I'm not broken. And many stumble when they think about a God that will judge them in the end. Each one of us chooses what we will use as the foundation to build our lives on, Jesus or something else. And I want to submit to you today that the other option, really the only other option that's out there, is if you're not building your foundation on Jesus, you're building your foundation on yourself. Track with me just for a moment. We, we used to be years ago that we lived in a postmodern world. Now, what, what that means is that they, the way that the world thought about truth Postmodern world says that there's no such thing as absolute truth, that truth is relative. And you'll probably hear some of these things and you're like, yeah, I recognize that. The postmodern world says, you have your truth and I have my, my truth. To, to myself be my own truth, I gotta hold to my own truth. Well, the problem with that is, is that there are such things as absolute truth. The statement that says there is no such thing is, as absolute truth, guess what? Is an absolute statement, which is making an absolute claim. And we have other things like absolute truth, like gravity. Like it's an absolute truth. There are ways that you can divide, de defy it for a moment, but gravity is a truth. And so we see that the postmodern world was like, ah, oh, I, I can't rectify this. And so what's happened is now we live in a post-truth culture. Post-truth culture says this. We agree that there may be some absolute truth out there, but we don't care. 
We don't care. Truth doesn't matter anymore. What matters now is my, are my feelings. Right? Sound familiar? Doesn't matter. Like I can tell you 800,000 different facts and you can tell me all the facts that you want. And you, well, that may be true, but that doesn't make me happy. So I reject you. I reject your truth because it doesn't make me happy. And what's happened is there's a move where this is inbred in us from the moment that we're born is a move towards autonomy. This move towards autonomy is to say that the goal of my life is to live in such a way that I don't need God. This is what damns people to hell is to say, I don't need God. What they do is, is people look at Jesus and they're like, I don't need Jesus, I got myself. And so I'm gonna live my life for my own happiness. I'm gonna begin building things on what makes me happy. The problem, if you use that as the foundation of your life, is that your happiness is very fleeting. We're fickle people, right? Our happiness, the, the target or the standard to which you're living your life towards is happiness. If that's it, guess what? Your happiness is always going to change. And you're always going to live trying to fulfill yourself with happiness. Sometimes you'll get it. And guess what? It won't make you happy. You'll get what you were wanting. And sometimes you won't get it and it'll make you angry. And so you live this anxiety-filled life because it's always moving. It's always changing. It does not ground you. Building your life on yourself is so damning. I'll give you two reasons why it's so damning. One, because you are finite. You and I have an expiration date. There's a time when we will stop breathing in this life. We cannot live forever here on earth. Second, are incapable of controlling everything. Right? And that's what leads us to all these problems is we seek to run after control. We want to control this. We want to control that. And we realize that we can't control anything. It leaves us crazy. Chasing after everything else, trying to build our lives on things that don't last. And if we seek our happiness in these things, then when these things get destroyed or these things get removed from our lives, our world gets rocked. If our identity is found in our job and we lose our job, our world gets rocked. If we um, place all of our, 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 our hope in our money and we lose our money, our world gets rocked. Living our life by placing our hopes in these things leads to depression, leads to anxiety, leads to anger, leads to thoughts of suicide. Because this is why suicide is so, so massive now in our culture. It's because people have no hope. And when you get to the moment of hopelessness, there's nothing left, and so you must take your life because there's nothing else. And I want us to believe that there are people that are dying every single day that don't need to because there is hope. The rock of Jesus, the salvation, the place of salvation, the place of, of, of where we need to come is to the foot of Jesus. You see, the pains in life, the, the depression that we might feel, the, the anxiety that we might feel, what if those are gifts from God? What if those are the, the first initial convicting feelings that we feel to say, hey, you stop putting your faith and trust in God. 
And now you're starting to feel these things. And so what should we do? Turn back to God. Now, I'm not saying that, that, that uh, there are um, all situations in life um, don't need doctors. I'm, I'm not saying that. I know that there are some people that wrestle with, with depression, anxiety that really do need to be under the care of a doctor. But I also want to submit to you that there are many Christians out there that already have the hope of Jesus inside of them that are using their fear and anxiety as a crutch. Because you just don't want to place faith and trust in Jesus. What, I, what really needs to happen when we go through, when you feel like overwhelmed by the world, this is what really happens to begin with us. We, when we're down at our lowest, when we feel like knocked out from the world, when the world has just given us that punch and we're like, everything I built my life upon has just crumbled, then we look and we're like, ah, Jesus looks a little bit different from down here. Right? Maybe it's time I start considering Jesus. Because I've already tried to build my life on other things. I've considered Jesus from a different angle. But now I need Jesus. Because I need him to hold on to in the middle of this world. I need him because this world is going to shake me. This world is going to try to wreck me. And I need Jesus. Do you need Jesus this morning? We desperately need him. I pray today call and point people to Jesus. Some will be offended by it. Some will look at you and they'll be like, dude, you're crazy. That's okay. Let me give you some other words of scripture just to see how all of God's word from beginning to end all draws together. We live in a dry and thirsty land where people desperately need Jesus. God is at work completely dis dismantling all the things that we place our hope in. We see, if you would just have spiritual eyes to see, the harvest is plentiful. There are people that are so desperate for hope right now that all you got to do is say, like, hey, you need hope? I've got the answer. People are like, what is it? What is it? What is it? Is it another pill? Is it, a, is it another person that I can follow? Is it another thing that I can do? Where, where is this hope? And you're like, it's Jesus. I'm like, oh, I never considered him. Some will be offended by what we have to say. Some will reject, but many will trust. Church, in this season of life, we cannot be silent. In this season of life, we cannot step back and shrink back to say, hey, it's too dangerous out there. No, it's not. God has called you to be alive at this exact time in history for the purpose of not only experiencing salvation, but sharing that with others. Tell others the story of how God has affected you, how God has changed you, how once you were this way, and now God has made you into this. Let us not go out into the night silently. Our country needs us. Our world needs us, and it comes with a sacrifice. Our country was founded on the fact of people understanding that they were called to do something that was greater than themselves. Somewhere along the way that, that has been lost. Somewhere, even in our own Christian identity, no longer do we live for God, we live for ourselves, and that has to stop. 
Let us be people that walk these days fully sacrificed unto the Lord. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, don't leave here until you have the opportunity to know him. Talk, grab me by the hand. I'll be outside. Grab me by the hand and say, Pastor, I need to know Jesus. I need to know him right now. And I'll love to share with you how you can know him. Or grab the person to your left or to your right. Say, I need to know Jesus before I leave today. But let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that you promise that if we build our life upon you, that we will not be shaken, that we will not be moved, that we will make it in this world today. Father, I'm aware that there are some today that are, have listened to this sermon and are in a place of desperation. I pray today, God, that you would come close to them and you would remind them that in you, everything's gonna be okay that they are gonna make it and that there is peace that will come. Father, for those that don't yet know you, God, today may be the day that they call on you. May, may, may they have, for the very first time in their life, realized that they're building their life on the wrong foundation. Open their eyes to see and help them to believe today. But Father, today as we sing this closing song together, Father, I pray that this song would not just be words that come out of our mouth, but this song would be our resolve. That we would build our lives upon you. That today, that our lives would be different than they were when we came in. Help us to see, maybe we've been building our lives with, with materials of this world and, and that just needs to go away. Father, I pray today you convict us of that and we put it away in our lives. But together, God, help us to continue to be about the mission that you sent for us. And may we be faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.